0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. This is Tyler Buckingham.
1: We have a great show for you today. Uh, We're going to start off with an interview that Peter did with Colonel Lars Zetterstrom, the commanding officer of the Galveston District
0: of the Army Corps of Engineers. And uh, sticking with our Army Corps of of Engineers extravaganza today, We also have an interview with
1: Brigadier General Paul E. Owen, who's the commander of the Southwestern Division of the Army Corps of Engineers. Indeed, he is Lars's boss. Uh, It's a great show, but before we get started, let's have a quick word from our sponsors. We have three sponsors on the American Shoreline Podcast Network that keep us alive and going. Dune Doctors out of Pensacola, Florida, a firm dedicated to the restoration of Dune systems with native and natural uh, plants led by Frederick Barrissette, very good company. Find them at DuneDoctors.com.
0: and coastal engineering consultants headed up by our good friend, Michael Poff. They are out of Naples, Florida, and you can learn all about them at coastal
1: engineering.com and LJA engineering with 28 offices in Texas and around the Gulf of Mexico, outstanding coastal engineering firm led by Bill Worsham in that section. Uh, Find them at LJA.com. We are at the Galveston District of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Headquarters Building with the District Commander, Colonel uh, Zetterstrom. Uh, Welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast, Colonel, and thank you for taking the time. Yeah,
0: thank you very much. I truly appreciate it.
1: And uh, I also wanted to thank your staff, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Mark Williford, uh, who set this up and uh, made uh, the time available to us, and really want to appreciate uh, Mark's effort and the Corps for uh, letting us bring your perspective to the listeners on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Uh, well, Colonel, we, we know that uh, you're coming to the end of your tenure here at the Galveston District, and uh, I thought a great opportunity to do a little bit of a retrospective, talk about uh, your tenure here, the projects you've undertaken. Uh, but uh, for the benefit of our listeners and around the country, uh, many who do not uh, live and work in, in Texas, uh, can you tell us about the Galveston District and, and how you came to be the commander, at the district here?
0: So, uh, well, I uh, came to be the commander uh, just by a fortunate opportunity to be selected for command. Uh, District commands across the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers are competitive in nature, and so it's uh, an assignment that the Army selects their officers for based off of a competitive process. The Galveston District is a coastal district. We are responsible for about 50,000 square miles of the coastal uh, zone of the great state of Texas and into small portions of the four most southwestern parishes of Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have various authorities we're responsible for uh, within our area of responsibility. Navigation, flood risk management, coastal storm risk management, emergency management, and ecosystem restoration are our biggest program authorities. And
1: all of those subjects are of great interest to uh, coastal Texans and uh, people of the state of Texas and around the country. In fact, uh, the navigation it, component of the district's work is critical uh, with the Port of Houston and Beaumont and uh, Corpus Christi and and, and uh, Brownsville. We have four deep water ports on the Texas coast, I guess five with yeah, there's, Freeport.
0: There's six ent- deep six. draft entrance channels in Texas. There's 250 miles of deep draft channels and 750 miles of shallow draft channels so the the texas port association has 28 member ports in texas and uh, a big part of the energy coast in the
1: united states uh, energy products out of uh, the galveston bay area houston area and also and now lng terminals coming up in uh, the port of corpus christi some major work and of significance for the galveston district Uh,
0: absolutely i mean i one thing that I'd like to highlight is that the the program authorities that I mentioned earlier are all interrelated with one another. So uh, we had a quick discussion about the various ports and the navigation program in Texas. And Texas is a maritime state, and our nation is a maritime nation. And our ability to export our uh, goods and products to the world market is directly based off of having the port infrastructure and the channels to have uh, vessels be able to navigate safely and effectively and economically. But it's really the interrelation of navigation with coastal storm risk management, so uh, reducing flood risk to the public and to infrastructure due to hurricanes, as well as flood risk management, reducing risk to the public and infrastructure due to rainfall, as well as the economic opportunities here in Texas, the discovery of new Um, energy uh, resources, new technology to ensure that we can mine those resources, the ability to convey those resources so they can be refined and produce the various petrochemical products that this region economy is largely based off of is all interrelated because the people that are moving to Texas because of this economic boom uh, want to live in a region that uh, has a reduced risk of hazards, um, but we also need to be able to safely and effectively transport those products that they are helping produce to the world market.
1: Absolutely. A major part of the economy of this state in energy and uh, petroleum-based products is, is uh, well-known around the world, and uh, particularly in the Port of Houston uh, I think the Galveston Bay projects that the, the district is contemplating now bring together those three elements you mentioned, navigation, storm protection, and environmental restoration. Those three components are very much at play in this major initiative that y'all are uh, contemplating right now with the uh, coastal spine, I believe is the proper term, at least in the vernacular of the public.
0: Well, That's maybe what the public calls it or some of the um, academic partners that have been spending a large amount of their time and energy in in proposing different solutions. Uh, So we call it, uh, you know, the authority we have from Congress is the Coastal Texas Restoration Protection uh, Feasibility Study, and, you know, we have a coastal system, um, but I acknowledge that a lot of people call it the Ike-Dyke or the Coastal Spine. Right.
1: And and that project, uh, we were fortunate enough to be here, Colonel, at the partnership meeting back in March and the extensive information that the district provided to uh, the folks that attended that meeting and the public presentations. It's beginning to take shape, it looks like. And uh, as you complete your tenure here at the Galveston District, uh, this has got to be, and I understand is, the largest Corps of Engineers di- uh, project in the United States right now. Uh, how does it feel to be? headed out the door at a time when this thing is just starting to take shape and all the hard work that you and your staff have put into it over the
0: years. Sure. Well, I think that what the largest program that we have in the Corps of Engineers for the Galveston District is the uh, $4.5 billion of appropriations that we received as part of the Bipartisan Budget Act. The Coastal Texas study is significant, a significant study effort, uh, five and a half years, $20 million. Um, so what will that lead to in the future um, is a big question. So we've got both our ongoing studies looking at the future of the coast of Texas, as well as the immediate task to execute the funds that we received from Congress as part of the Bipartisan Budget Act, and to construct the uh, various coastal storm risk management and flood risk management projects that were funded as part of the Bipartisan Budget Act. the study um, that you're referring to you know we're a little more than halfway through the study Uh, it's scheduled to be complete in spring of 2021 we just completed the um, public meetings uh, that we received a large number of comments back from the public and i understand that you interviewed dr kelly brooks copes earlier the project manager so you know i don't want to rehash some of the things that she described but Uh, Right now, um, in that study, we just had a successful presentation of the status of the study to uh, headquarters U.S. Army Corps of Engineers with the study partner, the Texas General Land Office, Uh, and a big portion of that presentation was um, any implementation uh, of any of the the public's comments into potentially revising the tentatively selected plan, uh, prior to finalizing the plan. So that's the current phase that we're in, is uh, initial evaluation of the public's comments, uh, finalizing that evaluation, incorporating the comments into a revision of the plan, and then once that is complete, to um, do the additional study analysis of the changes, update the uh, the, the draft plan, update the draft environmental impact statements right. and then go back out and have the public have a second opportunity to review the draft plan and the draft EIS and provide um, additional comments th- at that point.
1: That sounds great. And I do understand that that the uh, public comment period that uh, that you've undertaken already yielded uh, some very useful inf- information uh, from Dr. Copes's comments. And and she was a great interview, by the way, an incredible project leader. Uh, it, it's a very complicated project, 120, as she said, more than 120 uh, people on her program staff, b- big effort. Uh, it looked to me from th- that discussion that the planning is starting to look more at a shoreline restoration or beach restoration component uh, as an element of the surge barrier along Galveston Island and Bolivar Peninsula. Is that a fair thing to expect in this next draft?
0: Um, I think what you're seeing is the integration of the coastal storm risk management components of the study with the ecosystem restoration components. So when we did the public meeting and it released the tentatively selected plan, um, about 60% of the cost was for coastal barriers and about 40% was for ecosystem restoration. Uh, so, based off of the comments of the public here it, along Bolivar Peninsula and Galveston Island, um, the study partners looked at shifting the alignment of the barrier component right. and integrating them <clears throat> with the ecosystem restoration component. So, in the tentatively selected plan, we had beach nourishment and we had sand dune restoration as part of the plan. Indeed. And so, what we could foresee occurring in the second half of the study is that integration of the, the two purposes of the project and operating more in a system approach. You know, I think, and, you know,
1: for the, for the general listeners out there, I think that is very good news for coastal citizens and folks in Galveston County in particular, uh, that part of the storm surge protection in it, uh, response is really a wider beach, better dune system system That alignment of the barrier being more uh, seaward, uh, it eliminates a lot of the complexity with upland rights of way and other complexities. And uh, committing, what it does is commit the district and the state to a long-term shoreline management program, which I have to say is uh, in the best interest of the public. If you're looking at it from an economic standpoint or a good old going to the beach standpoint, do you feel like it's a good? I mean, we don't know the details yet. The designs aren't done, but. Uh, it sounds like a good shift here.
0: Um, well, I certainly think those were the majority of the comments, and so I think it demonstrates that the comments were taken into serious consideration. Uh, so, if that's truly what the public wants, and that's what we've done, then I hope it would be viewed as a good thing. Right. Um, Long term, I mean, I just want to uh, highlight that the operation and maintenance of the structural solutions or ecosystem restoration solutions that we would implement um, actually would be the predominant responsibility of the Texas General Land Office. Um, That's currently under the current federal law uh, how we conduct most of our studies and our projects is that the the studies are uh, cost-shared and conducted 50-50 between the Army Corps of Engineers and its partner, Uh, and then the pre-construction engineering design is completed prior to construction. and so those two phases are cost-shared depending on the authority, um, you know, typically around 65 percent federal, 35 percent right. non-federal, uh, but once it transitions into the operations and maintenance phase, under current federal law, at least for this type of authority, um, the non-federal sponsor, the partner, would uh, right. have to complete those portions of the, the life cycle of our projects.
1: That's an important point. And, uh the estimate that I recall from the presentations back in March were that the annualized uh, operation and maintenance costs could run to 130 million dollars on the project. Is that's a big number, but you know the state of Texas is a, is a big state, and uh, this is a high priority. I, uh, I I think it's important that folks realize that the O&M cost is a is a non-federal sponsor responsibility. I think that's a, it's a it's a long-term financial commitment by the state of Texas.
0: So I think. The Galveston District and the Army Corps of Engineers are very pleased to have the Texas General, General Land Office as our non-fail sponsor uh, and the state of Texas. I mean, they do have uh, the capability to be able to undertake studies of this magnitude and infrastructure of this magnitude.
1: And we, we had the opportunity uh, after attending the, the meeting in March to sit down with Commissioner Bush and talk about the projects and his priority. I know he's a strong advocate for this partnership with you. Uh, and I know he's working up there in Austin uh, at the legislature uh, trying to bring the, bring the message to the, to the folks with the checkbooks in the Texas legislature to, to uh, fulfill their responsibilities in the partnership agreement they have with you. Absolutely. Uh, tell us more about the Bipartisan Budget Act. What was unusual about that? And uh, in your experience at the core, uh, what stands out about that particular action uh, that recently occurred?
0: Now, there's many things that I personally feel are very important about that uh, piece of legislature. Um, first, actually, it was the third uh, supplemental um, legislation that Congress enacted post hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria. The Bipartisan Budget Act specifically appropriated $17.4 billion for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, in the state of Texas, more than $5 billion, uh, some of which was allocated to um, our sister district, the Fort Worth district, further to the north. And as I mentioned earlier, approximately 4.5 billion to the Galveston district. And so that's important in many ways. One is that's a a huge investment by the American taxpayer in this region to implement uh, projects that we have studied and Congress had authorized historically. Um, A perspective I wanted to provide is that that level of funding funds to completion all of the previously authorized projects that the Galveston District had um, to reduce the risk of flooding in Harris County, as well as um, for three projects, uh, specifically one in Orange County, one in Port Arthur, and one in Freeport. So that's important, because if you understand how the Corps operates, the studies, the pre-construction energy design, the construction, the O&M, the Bipartisan Budget Act funded every study that was authorized to completion for construction. Wow. That is a big deal. And that is a tremendous
1: uh, uh, investment, as you say, by the American taxpayers in in the Galveston District and in the programs and projects that you're administering. Uh, that is, I think, that is that the largest single appropriation the district has ever had?
0: Um, I believe it is, yes.
1: And... When uh, we're talking about the Coast of Texas study that the Corps is undertaking, the comprehensive uh, examination of the entire uh, Texas shoreline, it's amazing to look at the project lists that you guys are contemplating uh, from beach restoration down in uh, in Cameron County on South Padre Island all the way up the Mid Coast and to Galveston and over to the Louisiana border. Significant projects over there for the National Wildlife Refuge Protection it's an amazing program to see uh, come to reality. Colonel, and uh, how has that been for you and your staff to try to contend with something of that magnitude?
0: Uh, It's all part of the vision that we have with our partners. Um, And I mentioned the three projects, Orange County, Port Arthur, and Freeport. Uh, Those three projects together have an estimated construction cost of approximately $4 billion. Those three projects were authorized by the Sabine Pass to Galveston Bay um, Protection and Restoration Feasibility Study. And I've come back to that point because even the Coastal Texas Restoration and Protection Feasibility Study, while it's comprehensive in nature for the entire Texas coast, we've taken a systems-of-systems taken a systems approach with the various studies that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has done, as well as the studies and master planning that the state of Texas done. So all of the studies and analysis and all the solutions that are being proposed ha- are being made in concert with one another. So uh, while the coastal Texas uh, study that we've spent a lot of time talking about is critical because it's focusing on reducing the risk of from storms in the Houston-Galveston region, we need to also protect as an Army officer, the flanks of Houston and Galveston, right. Freeport, Port Arthur, and Beaumont and Orange County. So yeah. all of these really, to gain the true benefits of one, you have to complete them all because they are intentionally studied and designed to operate in tangent with one another.
1: As an integrated overall strategy for yes. the Texas coast and, and storm risk reduction. Uh, can we talk a little bit about the discussion that's happening on the alignment of, uh, of the gates across the uh, Galveston Bay? Do, I know that the Corps has taken a, a close look at what the Speed Center has done at Rice University, has taken a hard look at Texas A&M University at Galveston's analysis, develop, and you're developing, of course, the independent analysis based on your work and the work of all the others. Uh, at the March meeting, it seems to be settling down that the gates would cross basically the entrance of Galveston Channel. Do you feel pretty settled on that right now, or do you, is there more work to be done to really uh, know where that alignment might be? I
0: think there's still wor- more work to be done. Uh, we did bring in uh, scientists and engineers from across the world recently at an iStorm storm uh, gate workshop. Uh, where we presented to those experts um, what the purpose of the project is and some of the environmental factors and some of the known technology and the technology in terms of how um, known it is and how likely it is to perform as designed. And so that was very helpful to get their input. So the... The alignment, I think, remains uh, to the entrance of Galveston Bay, the exact alignment in terms of is it moving further out uh, into Gal- um, Bolivar Roads. Right. Um, some of that is still being looked at. The big focus that our efforts will focus on in the later half of the study is to reduce the um, environmental impacts to the greatest extent possible.
1: Right, and I think that's the you know in, in the conversations that we've heard uh, around the region uh, is is the, are the environmental implications of having controlled entry into the Galveston Bay system. Uh, it is obviously a tidal exchange question, a salinity question. Uh, I think the analysis that was presented at the March meeting was was uh, was pretty good. I thought. Uh, in terms of being informative and in analyzing that question, obviously a focus of the Corps' discussion. Uh, but it is a about two and a half miles wide, I think, uh, is the gated distance, something like that, over 10,000 linear feet, I believe. Not all of it will be open and closable, of course, just the ship channel portion of it. But when you're manipulating a system of this size uh, – What's your comfort level in your capacity to, to find the right environmental balance in this project?
0: I think it's finding that right balance is what's important. Um, so that's what we continue to have to look at. Um, where we are right now, the, your ability to analyze the environmental impacts is also largely tied to the level of design analysis that you can complete with the information you have. So at this point, we recognize that... Uh, the elements uh, that will ultimately be proposed as part of the Coastal Texas Restoration and Protection Feasibility Study, any of the components that, uh, at the time of the completion of the report, we won't have the greater extent of design level completed, that uh, there would be the possibility of additional follow-on environmental impact statements being conducted for those components of The proposed projects.
1: Thank you very much. Um, uh, Could you help our listeners understand a little bit about how the Corps is working to to incorporate into your thinking and your analysis uh, relative sea level rise? That's an explicit component of your planning effort now.
0: It is. I mean, as planners, you have to plan and account for future conditions one of those potential future environmental conditions is a higher level of um, sea level, and if you are not accounting for and taking that into consideration, uh, how can you effectively study and design uh, features and structures that will adequately reduce the risk of flooding in the future? So we definitely have to account for the future of relative sea level rise, we're agnostic as to what causes, right. co- could cause, or will cause relative sea level rise, but we have to account for it and incorporate it into all of our study analysis.
1: Right, quite right. I think the, the debate about what's, what's causing it, and it's it varies from place to place, and particularly on the Texas coast, there's a component of subsidence that occurs along the Texas coast, certainly true in Louisiana as well, uh, but the debate on the whys is... For other folks in the government, uh, not for the court, and uh, I think that's something I certainly respect and understand. Um, as you, how long has your tenure been at the Galveston District?
0: So the standard command tenure of a district commander at the colonel level is three years. Is three years, and you're are you completing the full three? I am completing my full three years. Yes.
1: And uh, are you staying in the army if you don't mind me asking? Or are you what, what's your what's your next step?
0: So. Uh, I get asked that question a lot. What I tell people is <laughs> I'm getting promoted to civilian because we have civilian control of the military and that I'm going to get stationed in Fort living room. I don't know where that living room <laughs> will be yet. So I guess that's a coy, coy answer of when you've served your country and the capacity as a military officer for more than 25 years, yeah. uh, eventually we all have to take the uniform off yeah. and now is the right time for my family, for me to retire from active duty military service and focus on my children
1: yeah congratulations and uh, a job well done I my father was a 30-year career military officer and my brother I think finished 25 as well Uh, it's a lot of work and it asks a lot of families and uh, I know when my uh, father left the service it was a big transition he missed a whole bunch of it but we were really glad to have him around when we were kids because we were still in high school it was great to have that time with him so Uh, As you come to your end of your tenure as a military officer, but also in the Galveston District, um, could you help our listeners understand, you know, some of your greatest challenges in this position and maybe some of your greatest successes?
0: Well, certainly uh, a significant challenge was uh, Hurricane Harvey, um, the largest rain event in uh, the United States history, at least the continental United States history. Uh, And with that uh, devastating storm uh, came... Tremendous opportunities that we've talked about so far in this podcast with the passing of the Bipartisan Budget Act. Uh, So that was a significant um, emotional event for everyone, and one that, uh, you know, we're excited for the future, uh, for the opportunities that it's produced. Um, Also, just the I guess the vibrancy of the Galveston District in our workforce. When I took command uh, a little less than three years ago, we had just exceeded 300 employees. Today we have more than 430 employees. Wow. uh, That are all great Americans. I'm very proud of our Army civilians. Every Every single one of them is serving his or her country to the greatest possible here in the Galveston District by doing everything they can to either enhance uh, safe and efficient navigation or reduce the risk of flooding uh, through its various forms in the future or to work with our partners to restore the environment or to effectively uh, ensure that development occurs in this region in a prudent but environmentally uh, um, appropriate manner. So, very proud of all of the staff that I've served with over the past three years and all that we've accomplished. A big, significant uh, effort of ours um, has been focused on what we call Buffalo Bayou uh, Tributaries Resiliency Study, as well as the ongoing mega project to replace the gate structure at Addicts and Barker Dam Reservoirs. But we're always looking to the future. So, I uh, spoke about the $4.5 billion of construction projects. What I didn't mention is the almost 16 million dollars of new study opportunities and efforts that the Galveston District is doing. And one of those is the resiliency study, uh, working very closely with the Harris County Flood Control District, uh, as well as gathering input from the public as to how we can improve the operations of uh, Buffalo Bayou and the uh, various tributaries and the flood risk management projects that exist today to help continue to reduce the risk of flooding right. in the future is one of our, our proudest moments. Um, I think what's kept me in the Army after 25 years is the people I serve with, very fortunate to serve with some of the best and brightest that our nation has to offer, and that's what's kept me in the Army for so long and what I'll miss the most. Well,
1: it is a, it is a, a remarkable job and a huge responsibility. I think. Most of the people who are professionals involved in any kind of coastal issue know the Corps of Engineers is a central figure all along the American shoreline and and absolutely critical in the success of the nation economically, environmentally, and in terms of our risks for storms. Uh, it, it is a tremendous job. And uh, coming into the position will be Colonel Tim Vail, and uh, we haven't heard a lot about uh, Colonel Vale, but would it be inappropriate for you to introduce us a little bit or tell us a little bit about your
0: successor? Um, Well, I've met uh, Tim a few times now. We've spent about three weeks together. Uh, Very accomplished uh, U.S. Army engineer officer uh, who happens to be a native Texan. Uh, He's originally from Spring, Texas, so uh, I'll probably be more appropriate for him to introduce himself uh, in the future. What he shared with me is that uh, having the opportunity to command the Galveston District has been a dream of his since he was a lieutenant. So I know that he's extremely excited right. to have been afforded this opportunity by the Army uh, to take command of this district. And I'm sure that he will dedicate himself to the greatest thing possible to accomplish as much as possible for Texas and our nation over his three years.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I th- I've heard that he's a Texas Aggie from my alma mater. So whoop, whoop, you know, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing a Texas Aggie running the Galveston District. And I understand from Walla Walla, Washington, a district in the Corps that is a major uh, engineering district, uh, so comes with us, comes to us with a great deal of experience. I think uh, uh, it sounds like a great pick for the, for the Galveston district.
0: From uh, what I see so far, I agree. And uh, we're very excited to, uh, for the transition and have him uh, lead this district for the next three years. Well, thank you very much, Colonel. Uh, a real pleasure to
1: sit down with you. I know you're busy. And uh, any parting comments or, or, or thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners on the American Line podcast, please do.
0: So uh, first, I'd just like to thank all of our non-federal sponsors. I mean, if you understand how the Corps of Engineers operates in our civil works, civil works authorities, we need three things. We need an authority from Congress. We need appropriations for our authorities. And we need a non-federal sponsor who not only cost shares in our efforts, but is intellectually the partner in evaluating and proposing what we believe together are the best solutions for the region and the nation. Uh, so whether it's our navigation partners in the, our ports or uh, partners like the Harris County Flood Control District or other uh, non sponsors, they truly are what makes the Corps of Engineers successful. We can't do anything without our partners. Again, I'd like to thank my outstanding staff and uh, very excited about these studies that are ongoing right now um, because studies are the future. Without us conducting studies today, we cannot receive authorities from Congress to implement the solutions that we're proposing and ultimately design and build them so that way we can continue to ensure that Uh, this region is economically viable, that our environment is being uh, protected to the greatest extent possible, and that we have a region that is safe uh, and enjoyable for our
1: federal citizens to live in. Thank you very much. And I think it's one of the things that a lot of folks, uh, Colonel, I really appreciate the emphasis on the study and a lot and people get a little frustrated why the heck are we studying this thing there is a very specific way that congress operates and the districts uh, operate in terms of bringing projects forward and uh yeah these studies are absolutely important and are the foundation of the future and uh it's great to see the full funding for the existing authorized programs and additional study funds to to tackle these problems on the texas coast and uh well, we look forward to uh, following along with the with the hard work that the district is doing and your state partners, both at, uh, at the general land office and in Harris County, uh, the fourth largest city in America, and I think one of the great coastal cities in America, uh, and they need your help, and I'm sure uh, you'll give it the best that you can, and so thank you for your time. Thank
0: you, sir. Appreciate it. And now our interview with General Paul Owen.
1: Uh, General Owen, welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast.
2: Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here and glad to be at EarthX this week.
1: It's a tremendous conference and one of the few that brings together the types of interests that Trammell Crow does here with the uh, energy industry and the military and other uh subject areas, what brings the uh, Southwest Division to EarthX?
2: So I, you know, recently learned of the opportunities that that this conference presented, and uh, Meredith asked us to be part of that, uh, the presentation that was happening. So I was, you know, I, I live here in Dallas, and this is a unique opportunity for me to come down. And uh, just really impressed by the diverse interests that are represented by this particular function. So, you know, and, and every time we have an opportunity to share ideas and from different people with different perspectives, that's always beneficial for, for me. No
1: doubt about it. And I think a lot of people out there don't fully appreciate the critical role that the uh, Corps of Engineers plays in the United States in terms of our infrastructure, and particularly our water resources infrastructure, and along the coastline of the United States. Uh, Can you talk broadly about uh, the role— and a little bit of the history. Why is it that the uh, that it is the, the the army in the United yeah. States that leads our water resources infrastructure planning in the United States of America?
2: Okay, those are all good questions and great things to talk about. So, first of all, you know, I, from the broader perspective, I, I think there's three big things the Corps of Engineers tries to do for the nation. One of them is uh, uh, support national security, and we do that in a lot of different ways, and uh, through military construction and inter- international interagency support projects and things like that um so that's one of them another one is uh to enable economic development so that is one of our our charges where you talk about inland navigation of waterways and all the commerce and the goods that move on our water that that people don't really realize and 90 percent of the of the goods in the united states move on our waterways through our ports and our rivers and things like that and uh Again, that's really good for the environment, by the way, because all that stuff that's moving on the water is not in semi-trucks that are burning fuel on the highways and things like that. So, um, so again, um, enable economic development. And then the third part is protect the environment. So balancing those three things together, support national uh, security, um, enabling economic development, and also Protecting the environment is a balancing act for us to make sure that we do all those things in responsible ways.
1: Huge job. And I think uh, the Corps of Engineers operates the Wetland Protection Permitting Program under the Clean Water Act uh, Mm -hmm. all over the United States. Uh, And you're right on economic development. Here in the great state of Texas, we have, what, six deep water ports that are maintained by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, And they're critical to the economic economy of this state, the Energy Coast. Uh, What's happening in the Corps' navigation program uh, these days in the Southwest Division?
2: Yeah, so there are some big infrastructure projects are some some critical infrastructure projects going on. The Port of Corpus Christi is one where. You know, there's a deepening project there to get the, the, the main channel and some spur channels uh, down to 54-foot depth. So they're at 47-foot depth now, and they can't get the, the ships in that need to come in for the, the materials and the goods and the petrochemicals and the uh, put, uh, natural gas um, ships to come in and be able to do what they need to do. So there is an ongoing project. In fact, we're going to cut a ribbon – excuse me, we're going to break ground – on the um, the the Corpus Christi Ship Channel project uh, coming up in May, when we're going to be able to uh, to deal with that, and and you the Texas coast is not only is important to the Texas economy, it's important to the nation's economy. No so doubt. all the the um, you know we are still a fossil fuel dependent economy and all of that the manufacturing and well not manufacturing but the chemical processes that happen to it refineries to to create those products is down there on the Texas coast and um, you know so that, that's a, an important thing. And we have other projects. So that's kind of an enable economic development um, issue that the Corps of Engineers uh, deals with. But, uh, you know, to protect the environment and, and enable or uh, support national security. The other big things going on on the Texas coast is, um, well, you know, Hurricane Harvey recovery efforts. Yeah. So we did get underneath the uh, Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018, Um, we got about $5 billion to do a lot of projects and, and some studies that are going to help us make, make us more resilient for future storms. And so that's going to take a few years to get those projects into place. In the meantime, there's still some vulnerabilities that are down there and, uh, Uh, But we look forward to, to, to trying to reduce those risks for future disasters.
1: Well, I think I've never seen in my 20 years of working in coastal issues, in particular in Texas, I've never seen the level of resources available. Uh, To the district and to the Galveston district and to the Corps uh, to see fully funded studies, fully funded construction budgets. Uh, It's really tremendous for Texas. Uh, I think the state is stepping forward as a solid uh, non federal sponsor on these things. And so I think the partnership looks very strong between uh, the Corps of Engineers and the state of Texas. Uh, You mentioned. the port of corpus christi where we've got uh, a major project i think i want to say 350 million dollar uh, uh channel deepening project for the lng terminal the new lng terminal in corpus christi we're seeing new lng terminals in brownsville and also uh, up in the beaumont port arthur area i mean this is a, a an explosion really uh, that originated with the uh, repeal of the prohibition on export of oil and gas, and, and and Texas is the place. And boy, that's a lot. That asks a lot of our Corps of Engineers folks to manage these projects and get these ports uh, kind of ship shape for this new industry that's coming along.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's a big deal, and you know, um, that that the the ability to export those products is what's changing, right? And yep. uh, that's. Uh, that's significant and there's a lot of commercial investment going on for plants and infrastructure that it does not involve it's all commercial investment and you know people just got to be able to get the ships in and to get the products out so right. that's what we hope we can do it as quickly as uh the uh the infrastructure comes online to do that so
1: you know we've had uh, the privilege i would say the absolute privilege to uh, interview a couple of key project managers for the galveston <laughs> district uh, dr kelly burks coates who's heading up really that galveston houston uh project for s- storm protection and resiliency sort of the coastal spine project she's mm-hmm. a tremendous leader on that project and Andrew Weber, who's heading up the Buffalo Bayou and tributaries resiliency study, the flood protection study for the city of Houston. I mean, I, I just think I want our listeners to fully understand that it is through the Corps of Engineers that so many of these major problems, both in environmental text, uh, protection and 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 storm resiliency and economic development, go through the Army Corps of Engineers.
2: Yeah. No, that's true. And you asked earlier, how did all that stuff get started? And, you know, why is the Army, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I'm a former district commander for, um, for New York district. So I used to stand in places and talk to groups in New York Harbor and try to explain why they needed to go to 52 foot depth uh, for ships. And, you know, I'd see people looking at me like I had a horn going on in my head. Like, why is this Army colonel <laughs> right. talking to me about how deep the Harvard needs to be? And it, but it goes back to our history where, you know, the only engineers in the United States in the 18th century were, well, the early 19th century are, are coming out of the, uh, out of West Point, basically. Right. So West Point was the only place we had engineers. Um, the, uh, the nation's, uh Economic development, again, was important. So, in the use of the rivers and the harbors and all the things that, that back in the 1800s, that was the only way to move stuff around, unless you're going on horseback. But the that best, right. mo- and still is the most efficient way to move stuff around on this incredible network of rivers that our, that our country has. I mean, if you look between the, the Appalachians and the Colorado. Uh, Rockies. About 67% of all the water um, flows down. That's right. Most of it flows into the Mississippi River and then out through New Orleans and and that incredible farmland and all the things that happens in the middle part of our country uh, that feeds the world, literally. Yeah. Um, and all that, those goods are moving on on waterways. So um, and then we got this incredible Texas coastline, which is you know geographically perfect for a lot of. Uh, of um, uh, activities for ports and ships and movement of goods and things like that so um using that to its full capability and st- while still protecting the environment is really important to us
1: well you know i think people don't i love the history part of it and uh i think uh, lewis and clark were right. were both army uh lieutenants if i remember in the uh the uh, exploration of the pacific northwest that was a military exercise i right. think uh and it was really to find those waterways and see yeah. what kind of transportation efforts there could be. But uh, it, it, Can
2: when I you say a little more about the history, cause I please, love, please, I do too. I, I could talk. love, I love the history so, of the years. Yes, please you know, do. Uh, the story I l- l- least to tell in New York was um, about the, the, you know, New York Harbor was, was the, during the revolutionary war was the center of gravity for the British forces. They felt if they could go and hold New York Harbor, they would, um, they would win the war, so they would control the economic center of the colonies, and they would they would win the war. So, what happened in the Revolutionary War? The, the The British army came in, they stormed across Staten Island, and went up and took Manhattan, and they held it for the entire civil the entire Revolutionary War, mm. and then eighteen or seventeen eighty three they left, and pre, and President Washington said, "I can't let that happen again. I need." And we we were not good at building stuff then. So we had to rely on the French and the Polish people that hated the British to for our engineering expertise. And, and Washington said, I can't let that happen. I need to create an institution that's going to create and grow wow. engineers we just didn't have engineers so you could be an infantryman grab your rifle at you know a, as a reservist kind of deal a militiaman and uh and then go be an infantryman but you couldn't be an engineer you couldn't build fortifications you couldn't build defenses without being a uh, full-time professionally trained engineer and then the same thing with the, so anyway great story so we we did I that didn't realize came we,
1: from the from the general himself that's the right general george washington
0: peter, peter do you mind if i jump in here general Please i do. have a question i've been sure. we've we've talked about this we've attended a number of meetings and uh the army corps of engineers logo you actually have it on on that particular uh mm-hmm. emblem on your uniform uh, has has me w- wanting to ask you what is? It's a castle-looking structure. We have all seen it. Our audience, I'm sure, is familiar with it. Yeah. Can you tell us what
2: that is? Yeah. So there's a lot of different theories on where this originated from. So the truth is, it's the, the the well. What I believe the truth to be is, it's the library at West Point. So West Point, when it was founded, again as the original. Technical School of the United States. They had a library and they built it like a castle It's since been it was destroyed when West Point expanded and they Tore it down and there's been some replicas and the most famous replica that still stands today There's two of them one of them is at the Washington aqueduct where the Army Corps of Engineers actually Still controls and runs all the water supply for the national capital region and there's a Structure there that looks like the West Point library that was built. I think in 1887 or something like that We've always
1: wondered we've debated it so
2: if you want to go see it that's <laughs> some people believe that's where it came from but the truth is it's uh it, it goes back to west point and the the academic library there
1: uh when you're looking down the road is the division commander and i know you're over more than just the galveston district it's mm-hmm. little rock right as well and uh where would you? tulsa tulsa and fort
2: worth district okay so, as you well c- as Galveston.
1: C- so covering the south central part of the united states really a mm-hmm. uh, big job big area uh and the, and the increasing demands on the Corps of Engineers to, to, to take the lead in responding to some of these coastal threats that are mm-hmm. substantial. Uh, you've mentioned Hurricane Harvey, which is uh, an unbelievable storm. I think it cost the United States somewhere around more than $125 billion. I want to say I've heard $200 billion in total losses. Uh that's a tremendous responsibility. How do you feel that, that, that Congress, who really runs and tells you what to do every day, but how Congress and the Corps of Engineers have responded to these new challenges along the American shoreline?
2: Yeah, so uh, the supplemental bills are really important, and I, I think you're, when I say the, the, I think I mentioned BBA 18, that's a pretty obscure reference, but that's. The disaster bi- supplemental. Yeah, the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018 that yes. created the, the supplemental funds that were available for us directly, you know, for the Corps of Engineers to, to help. Um, do some construction and some investigations and some repairs from what happened there. So, you know, Congress plays a huge role in that. The Texas delegation, I think, was exceptionally uh, aggressive at at, uh, being the lead in that. In fact, you know, the most money from um, that $17 billion that came to the Corps of Engineers for, and it was for three storms. It was for IRMA, which did damage in in Florida and, and Maria, which wreaked havoc in Puerto Rico, and then also Harvey, uh, in addition to some other work that needed to be done from previous disasters. So, you know, the majority of the money uh, the biggest chunk of the money came to Texas for for projects in Texas. I did not know that. It is so and as you mentioned, billion.
1: five billion dollars. That is right. a that's a big budget for the for the district and for the division to handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like the like administratively you're where you want to be in terms of managing projects of this size and the mm-hmm. immediacy? It seems like a huge
2: yeah. challenge. So we are a uh, you know we're kind of a we have to balance our workload and our workforce. So Galveston district is uh, where most of this work is going to happen. Um, We've reached out to other parts of the Corps of Engineers where they have the appropriate expertise. Colonel Zetterstrom has reached out and asked them for assistance. We're also engaging industry with uh, architectural engineering firms to help us with designs and and then you know when we get to construction which is the of the five billion dollars, about you know, 98% of that really is in the construction piece, not this, the investigation street. And we're going right. to get into construction uh, this fall. So uh, we're going to rely a lot on industry to to make sure that that happens. Right. And we'll, Again, our role is to oversee and make sure we do the designs, and we're going to oversee and make sure that the taxpayer gets their money's worth, and those projects are constructed to the standards that are going to prevent uh, future damages.
1: Thank you very much, General Owen. Any closing thoughts or words you'd like to share with the uh, audience? Well,
2: thanks for giving me the opportunity, and it's. Always, I think uh, just to help people understand what the Corps of Engineers does and uh, appreciate uh, what you guys are doing to spread the word. Thank,
1: thank you, you very much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, General Paul Owen, uh, Division Commander for the Southwest Division of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. General, thank you so much for the time and for being on the American Shoreline Podcast today.
2: Okay, thank you. Where the mountains I end up